My name is Matt Brown. These pretzels are making me thirsty. And let's start the show. This isn't so bad, huh? Making bucks, getting exercise, working outside. Fucking A. Fucking A. Everybody, the world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Tuesday, December 7th, 2021, and we have a big announcement and a great show for you all today. But before we get into all of that, I would like to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast. We're on Twitter at ProdComoPod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So first, before anything, 80 years ago today, The tragic events of Pearl Harbor shook this nation to its core and officially entered us into World War II. I just want to give a humbling thank you to all the veterans who served that day and beyond. And you're the greatest generation for a reason. And we will never forget those events or the heroes that day. And I just want to also tell you that I have a huge announcement. You see... Back in late October, I was given an opportunity, an opportunity that would change my life, and I started getting ready for it. As you notice, November, we didn't have as many shows as we usually do, and also, things are going to change a little bit in the schedule for the month of December, but all for a good reason, and let me just let you know what it is. I am relocating to Jersey City, New Jersey from Norwalk, Connecticut. Me and the show are going to pack up. We're going down to Hudson County, New Jersey, and we are going to be in the up-and-coming city of Jersey City, New Jersey, where you can see the beautiful Manhattan skyline. You can see the Statue of Liberty, and we are really, really psyched. Obviously, this is very bittersweet because, you know, I'm going to be leaving home. I'm going to miss Norwalk and all the memories I created, the people who've influenced me, and of course, my amazing family who's with me through thick and thin. But I'm going to be 27 at the end of this month, and it's time to really get out there, spread my wings, and try to make the most as a as a man in this world as I try to continue to grow this show, as I try to prosper in my career. I think uh, this is a good opportunity to see what else is out there and go on to greener pastures. I just want to thank all the people who've made this possible. I want to thank the people who have supported me through this endeavor. And I just want to thank you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world, for sticking by me and supporting this show as well. So as you know, moving is a hassle. And there's a lot of moving back and forth. And I'm moving somewhere an hour and a half from where I'm at now. So the month of December, we are not going to be having shows up until after the holidays. As I transition to this new apartment, as I assemble my new podcasting studio, 
And as I get a groove for my new schedule, the show is going to just be on a little break. We're going on a hiatus, but we are going to be back on Thursday, December 30th for a big end of year show and celebration. And then after that, we're going to go back into a groove. January, we're going to have an NFL show once a week. It's playoff time, so we have to you know, work hard and cover the great events known as the Wild Card Weekend, Divisional, Conference Championship, Sunday, and obviously the Super Bowl. On top of that, you're going to be hearing the interviews I record throughout the month of December, and we have a lot of new guests. We have some interesting perspectives, and y'all going to really enjoy what's going to take place once the show gets back into it at the very or the second to last day of this month and then throughout the whole neat year of 2022. So this is very exciting, very bittersweet, as I mentioned. And yeah, great stuff is coming. So with that, let's enjoy what we have. Be humbled. I have a lot of work ahead of me, but this is what it's like to grow up, be an adult and make a name for yourself. So let's get to it, and thank you for being a part of the journey. So, yep, that's it. Big things happening in 2022. But for now, it is December 7th, 2021, and I have an amazing podcast interview with none other than the great Alex Young. We're having a productive conversation to talk about the Major League Baseball lockout, his Mets having the best offseason in years. We talk about the problems with the Knicks, the mess of New York football, and what the hell are the Yankees doing staying stagnant when they aren't in a lockout. So lots to do, lots to discuss, lots of fun to take place and be had. So why don't we just get to it right away. Alex Young, it's your turn once again. Here we go. This is a very productive conversation. believe 11 months of 2021 has flown by and of course we have to start you know paying attention to what's going on so with me just to talk some sports to relax on a beautiful weekend day and um anyways but just a nice chat checking in with the great alex young as always alex it's great to see you buddy what's up it's good to see you too, Matt. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, yeah, it's chill. It's beautiful out here. You're now in uh, in Jersey, so congratulations <laughs> about that. Uh, welcome to the state of New Jersey. Uh, we're we're love to have you here. And yeah, I've decided to have a nice little uh, relaxing little sports talk, little thing under the sun today. Look yeah. To who who would have thought, man? I thank you. I, I've been people been very welcoming since I've came here. And yeah, we have a ways to go. I miss my posters, but um, you know, we're just going where we have to. So it's great to have you for my first one-on-one for this. So it's gonna be a Let's start this new chapter. So where do we start, Alex? Let's start with the, let's start with, ah, start, why am I saying start? Let's start with baseball. Because obviously this past week or last week, 
we had the first lockout since 1990, but the first time there's a work stoppage in baseball since 1994. It seems there's a huge rift between the players and owners from issues like minor league time, service time. Um, you have player salaries being an issue. There's just a lot of mess going on in baseball. And though they could somewhat get, get away with it because it is the offseason, this isn't a good thing at all because who knows? Remember, 94, they lost half their season to cool in the playoffs. I mean, they. I think their last meeting on Wednesday before the lockout, the players rep and the owners rep only met for seven minutes. And uh, they're totally okay just locking the players out. So that's what's technically happening. There's no reference of players. Even if you go on the MLB site, you will see classic stuff. So it's a mess. And on the brink of your best off season in years as a Mets fan, yeah. this has to be aggravating for you. So before we hit the Mets specifically, how are you feeling about the lockout? Are you worried that it's, um, you know, it might uh, bleed into next season. Do you feel they could get a deal before spring training? What's your thoughts on the lockout right now? I mean, it's, it's a little nerve wracking as a baseball fan right now, mm-hmm. but it's because when you, like you said, when we find out on Wednesday that, you know, the player rep and that meeting went seven minutes. Right. And it wasn't like something that, you know, okay, we talked for an hour and we talked for whatever, and we couldn't come to mm-hmm. agree. It went seven minutes. And then they were like, all right, we're done. We're locking this out. We're shutting yeah, it down. Right. right? So, so it, it is, it is nerve wracking. Um, I, I do think, and it, it's great that we're in the off season and there, there's some time here before the start of next season. I think, you know, there could, could be an agreement before it bleeds into spring training. But um, yeah, like you said, there, there's, it seems like there's a lot of disagreements on both sides and there's a lot of things as fans that we want to see changed and we don't know if that's going to happen. And that's why it's a little nerve wracking right now, especially when you find on Wednesday on a meeting so crucial that only goes for less than 10 minutes <laughs> that this is where we are now. Right. Mm-hmm. And especially on the heels of, like you said, and we'll dive into it, you know, the Mets having arguably one of the best off seasons in their franchise history and some other teams making some big moves. And, you know, it was like, just such a fun time to see all this free agency happen before the locker, right? We're all like, who's going next? Who's going next? Right. Where, yeah. Who's going where? And now it's like, now we're all, it just stops. And like you said, now it's like weird. They will be like, there, there's no pictures on the players. There's only classic stuff they're promoting. There's only things that you can get now. It's just like a really weird time. But, you know, I, I think as, as a baseball fan, hopefully, There'll be some common ground. They have some time here before bleeds into spring training. But yeah, in general, whenever you see a lockout happen in the first time it's happened in 20 something years, and there's a lot of disagreements on both, both sides, it is nerve wracking as a baseball fan, because we don't know what's going to happen because there's things that we might not even know as fans that they're going to argue about. And, you know, there's certain things that we know, like, Oh, universal DH or the service time manipulation. Mm-hmm. And how is that all going to work? And are they going to come to agreement on that? Like if the playoffs um, expansion, the play, yeah, the playoff expansion. If you hit a certain age, are you going to instantly jump into free agency? It's yeah. just like, there's certain things here that we know, but there could be some other things, financial things that we don't even know about. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll have to see and wait it out, but it definitely is right now. Like, 
it is it is upsetting because it was such a fun free agency time. You know, the Rangers spending half a billion dollars on two players and all this stuff and the Mets and everything. And now it's like, well, we can't we can only talk about the lockout or we can't really see what's going to happen with Correa or Rizzo or some of the other big names, Trevor Story, that are out there because we're stuck here. So we'll see what happens. Um, I, I'm hoping I'm opt- I'm usually the optimistic one, as you know. Um, that they can come to an agreement by spring training. But, you know, I think it's kind of the perfect time where they do have a little bit of time to or a decent amount of time to really work things out here before we even hit the season and then bleed into the season. So we kind of have to wait and see right now. Yeah. Um, and, add, and adding on to what you were saying, also player teams that have lacked making moves, which we'll obviously get into that as well. So another thing I was going to ask you, Alex, with this, do you feel any side is justified, whether it's the players or owners? I'm someone who typically will be pro player because what else can the owners really gain out of this with obviously they're all billionaires. They all run other businesses besides owning teams. Like what are you really, you know, you know, also not giving a full pass to players because they are asked. It is a debate of billions and millions. But uh, but do you think any side is justified in this? Or yeah, lack thereof? I, I mean, uh, uh, you know, there's arguments obviously valid for both sides. Um, but I, I tend to be for the players, like you were saying. Um, it, there's certain things that I think that could change for the players to make things better for them financially. Um, yeah. Especially if you look at like the minors and the treatment of minors, which is the, the minor leagues, which yeah. has been uh, uh, a topic of conversation for a long time. Now there's just something that happened recently about, you know, getting, you know, a coalition together for better minor league player rights and things like that. Um, so there's things there that I, I think really need to drastically change in terms of, you know, conditions and, you know, all that salary, all the things that, but at the major league level, you know, I'm, I'm a big thing with the whole service time manipulation, but it's a problem because no one really has presented a, a, a real easy fix on like mm-hmm. how we can avoid that. Right. Like how, you know, the top prospects can come up for a week and then they're back down and then they're stuck there for a while and then they call back up and then, yeah. So it's just tough. Um, you know, because they're, you know, these teams are trying to avoid extensions, but you're seeing some other teams kind of being proactive and giving these players extensions. We just saw one with Wanda Franco getting a record extension, all that. So we got after he proved himself up at the majors, but there's been players that we've seen, you know, they get called up and then it's like, okay, we can, you know, kind of finesse some things so that we don't have to pay them the big bucks, yeah. you know, early on. So, you know, there's things there. Um, so, and there's obviously some other things, but you know, it's it's like a tough thing to decide because you know obviously on the owner's perspective they want to be you know financially stable obviously they want to be making profits and all that stuff like that but it's also they're getting it from their players so it's it's a weird divide but I lean more towards the players and if you look at certain things you know that these owners and these franchises kind of manipulate it doesn't benefit the players so I think if there's some way that you can give more of a balanced ground. I know that's tough because the owners don't want to give up really any of their control. Um, I think it just makes everything healthier. You know, you won't get these upset stars or anything like that, or people who want to leave or move to go to different places and leave the organizations because they've been mistreated. Right. So, you know, we'll see what happens in these terms of, of the deals, but I'm definitely any more towards the players getting, you know, 
the rights that they deserve um, and things like that, because we've seen time and time again, you know, these franchises taking advantage of their players. And at the end of the day, they're the ones making the owners are making the money off these players. So, yeah. And ultimately, like you said, especially the minor league time, you hear stories of players needing to find their own um, room house. They need to buy their own housing. They get like literally the minimum salary range, only like $30,000. And also for only a few months, because obviously baseball is not all year round. And some people are really struggling and have families and you feel for them and hear these stories. It's um, that has to be changed. And like the free agency, no owners want to have, you're not after your arbitration that you can't be a free agent till the age of 29. Yet analytics teams that all these owners um, are obsessed with tell you that after the age of 30, you'll naturally diminish as a player. It's, it's just contradicting and ironic. And at the end of the day, it doesn't seem a hard ass by like president's day at the latest. So you can still have what's remaining with the free agency. Just figure out how to be fair, give these players an incentive because at the end of the day, your players are what's going to sell you. Probably if you wait too long in this, you're going to have an awful attendance record, awful attendance records. Like when they came back in 95, people barely showed up until almost the next season. So for, for a league where popularity always goes down, which we debated many times, and for uh, you know a sport that wants to stay relevant and not be even more regionalized, I'd like to think that these that cooler heads will prevail and they can make a deal. And it's not their money at the end of the day. With I mean, I guess the owners, it's the organization. So do the right thing, Major League Baseball. And assuming everything goes to plan, that we can get back into the groove of things. And if it's by President's Day, you could have a few weeks, more weeks of free agency. Let's talk about our teams, you know, looking for looking ahead till next year. We could start with the Mets. There's a guy named Max Scherzer who joined your team. You ever heard of him? Three-time Cy Young Award winner and still on top of his game. He joins the Mets. Mark Connor joins a, a worthy utility veteran from Oakland. You have Eduardo Escobar was a pop in a bat and he could have gold club caliber fielding. And obviously Starling Marte, which people said was the best center fielder on the market. Reckon he is older and he's exactly what the analytics want to push away, but they still gave him a solid four-year deal. He still is a stellar outfielder and can hit for contact. So Alex, the New York Mets, do you think They've transformed into a playoff contender, maybe even a pennant winner after these four moves and who knows what else is coming. Uh, for sure. I mean, anything short of the playoffs is an absolute disaster with this roster. And I know a lot of people are nervous with Jacob DeGrom, obviously with his elbows last year. We'll see what happens with him. But again, it's like we have the Jacob DeGrom backup plan, if you will. And we have <laughs> two aces, idea. right? Yeah. So, you know, if Jacob DeGrom is not healthy. We still have Max Scherzer and, you know, with a guy like Max who we've seen obviously throughout these years, first ballot hall of famer. um, He just brings an intensity to the clubhouse. He's just such a true leader. And that's something that this team was lacking these last few years. In my opinion, just a vocal, like powerful voice in the room. Right. So, you know, Jacob's a great leader. We know that, but it's like, we needed that intensity guy that's going to keep everything together 
Um, and you know, we haven't had that. And, uh, so, you know, you bring a guy like him, we'll have a, a, you know, manager, we'll see who they bring in. I'm hoping it's someone with MLB experience in the past, you know, and then you bring guys, all these veterans are all really solid players. Like you said, Stalin Marte position of me. We've been looking for a center fielder. He's still a great center fielder hits for contact gets on base. You add that with the Brandon demo who might get an extension soon. Once the, the lockout ends, you add that another guy who gets on base, right? You add Marcano, great utility guy, has pop at his bat. And you have Eduardo Escobar, who's another really good utility player. So just these all just really smart signings by this team. This is what we needed more. We needed contact. We needed fielding. We needed, you know, these true, you know, leaders um, and depth on this team, right? Because, you know, we're lacking a true third baseman, but Marcano can play third base. He can play the outfield. Marte is a really solid glove out in center field. That's something we missed. You know, Nemo held his ground, but we could make Nemo more comfortable playing in his, in his natural position, right? So, you know, anything short of playoffs here is a disaster. Now, can I see this team win a pennant? Yes, but there's a lot of things that have to work together. I mean, we need Lindor to have a bounce back year. Alonzo had a really a pretty solid second half last year. We need him to continue to be, you know, the powerful hitter that he really is. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with McNeil. I know we brought in Escobar that might push him, you know, to a depth spot. If not, he might get moved. Um, so we'll see if McNeil comes out, you know, and plays, we'll see. We had a, he hasn't had a great last year and a half really for us. So we'll see. He might be a guy on the move. Same with Dom Smith. Um, so, you know, I think the pieces in place and with the overall team, this definitely could be a, a, a pennant winning team. So I'm not jumping on the bandwagon that, oh, we're going to a world series. Cause like we seen anything could happen in baseball. Look what happened with the Braves last year. Right. No yeah. one thought they were going to make the world series. They lose Acuna. They still end up making the world series and they yeah. win the world series. Right. So anything could really happen here. It's just, this is really right now. They have to make the playoffs. This team has absolutely has to make the playoffs. Anything short of that, like I said, is an absolute failure, absolute disaster. And, you know, it's the Mets and everyone's like, well, you know, we're always optimistic (laughs) and then everything falls apart, right? So we'll see. But definitely this has been, I think, a franchise-altering offseason for this team. Um, You know, Cohen didn't really spend the money that we thought he was going to his first year as an owner. (laughs) Seeing that team going on his Twitter tirade and now this is his revenge tour. He's brought in everyone and spent the money, right. That, that we thought he was going to, he was going to do. So, you know, this is definitely a hell of a roster. This is going to be a fun team to watch. Do I think we need maybe we definitely, you know, the angels signed our pitchers. They signed our best, you know, lefty reliever and loop who I loved. Um, We needed a solid lefty reliever. I think Mm -hmm. we need a couple of other bullpen arms. Uh, just to get that depth and maybe another rota- uh, rotational piece, but we'll see what they do here um, coming out of the lockout. You know, it's an exciting time for the Mets again. I know last season we were excited with Lindor and Carrasco, but this is like a, a huge deal for us Mets fans. We got another ace that, you know, dominated us for years. We brought him on board when we thought he wasn't even going to be here. I've always loved Marcon and his swing and his ability. Um, and I was a Marte gets on base, can steal bases. Like I said, tremendous outfielder. And then Eduardo Escobar can get really hot at times. He's just a really good platoon guy, really good depth guy. So it's definitely an exciting looking team. And I really hope that we obviously first make the playoffs and make a run for the pennant. I think this team can 
make a run for the pennant, but I'm not going to guarantee, I'm not, you know, you know, guarantee anything because like I said, it's baseball. Anything can really happen. Nice and cautious. I think this also shows, especially the Braves where you added almost a whole new outfielder reckon This is the deadline moves, but if a team is not clicking or something's not working, make changes. Your world series, MVP Jorge Soler was on the Royals in the first half of the season. And I think, uh, might as well transition at this point with the Yankees lack thereof of moves, but I'll make one more Met point after that. And um, I think it shows that if you want something to change, you got to change it. And I have to ask this with the Mets now. It seems that they got rid of a lot of bad apples. Marcus Stroman creating enemies on Twitter. I really think for no reason. Um, you have... Maybe if McNeil has to go, him and Lindor did have that fight. Yeah. And it seems to confirmed, you know, after the season that it was legitimate scuffle, not whatever that skunk or something. And obviously Lindor kind of has a leverage being the, you know, big kahuna and big signing there. Javi Baez goes to Detroit and he, you know, booed the fans. So do you like this now too, as another aspect, getting rid of these players that cause problems getting rid of the bad apples. Yes. And now like, I, I really like Stroman um, a lot as a pitcher, but you know, like <laughs> I said, he made, like you said, he made a lot of enemies on Twitter recently for like no reason. Yeah. Um, I heard even Sandy didn't like, they just yeah. he didn't like him or he, um, he didn't like him. And you know, the whole McNeil thing, like he hasn't had a good year and a half. And now, like we said, we found out that the Lindor scuffle was more than, you know, the little buddy buddy thing that they did to make amends in front of the press. <laughs> so we'll see. I think people can definitely be on the move. And we also know with Michael Conforto, we haven't really yeah, heard. I was going to ask and, that. And, 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 and I love back? him as a Met. He's not, he's not a bad apple by any means. <laughs> you know, no. he's not. Um, I think that there's some players in the locker room, like you said, you know, Strom and things like that. Um, Baez with the whole fan thing. Um, they're both gone. I think that's why we brought in these kind of veterans, especially like a Scherzer who could hold the locker room down. He's just an intense guy. Um, with Conforto, we really haven't heard anything about teams interested in him. Um, no you know, chickens. we hear, yeah, we heard, you know, things obviously about Chris Bryant, Correa, um, you know, things that we haven't heard of Rizzo either. But with Conforto, it's surprising. I mean, if the market's not great for him, and he want, he's willing to come back on a certain, like a one-year deal, a prove-it deal, I'm more than welcome to bringing him back. I just don't think the Mets are going to give him the extension that he wants. I don't think he's going to get like a four- or five-year deal. Like, I think that's what he's trying to look around the league or even a three. Um, but if if out of the lockout, there's still not a lot of people calling, and he calls Uncle Steve and is like, hey, I, I, I'm willing to come back if you want to give me, like, you know, the qualifying offer deal, then – I'm all for it um, just to see, but, and, but yeah, it was just surprising so far that we haven't really heard anything about Conforto um, in terms of his market value um, or teams interested in him. So we'll see. I always love Conforto. I know he had a, you know, a couple down seasons, but he has a, a great swing. We all love his swing. Um, and I would be willing to bring him back as a Met fan um, just to see if he if he's willing to. But we'll see. You know, I don't, he might be one of the guys that you know, like like we're seeing with Correa and some of the other big names. They're just going to wait the lockout out and then come out of the lockout. They might be getting these big extensions and big deals to teams now. The league starting up again, and they want to make these moves. So he could be one of those players that's saying, "Hey, we're, I'm just going to wait and see what the lockout what goes on, and then you know I'll start talking to you guys." So. 
Uh, yeah, we'll have to see. But I would love to have him back as a Met, depending on the deal. I, I don't. I just don't think he's going to get that you know couple year extension that that people are or were thinking of before the lockout happened. Yes, that's right. Um, I guess you know for a fact that if he hit well this year, there's a good chance he would stay. But that's just part of the game. And this my last Met point. Big. Obviously, Steve Cohen hires Billy Epler, and we that's pretty self-explanatory. Pretty good job off the bat. And now you need your manager. And they can't hire a manager in this lockout, so there's something to uh, pay attention to. Who are you thinking? Is it time to get an unknown, bring that veteran manager? Obviously, Buck Sowald has been popular. Or are they going to play it safe and get Brad Osmus with his connections with Epler? And, you know, pretty underachieving manager in – Los Angeles and Detroit to say the least, or is there just some person I, we never heard of who gets up like a Luis Rojas, but even though it'll actually work this time, what are you thinking for your manager? What do you want? Um, I, like I said, I think earlier on, I, I definitely for the Mets and manager wise, I, I want to see someone with experience. Uh, I think these last few times going with the guys with not that much experience and or minor league experience hasn't really worked out for the Mets, yeah, right. like Rojas or Mickey Callaway, but we obviously don't really want to dive into Mickey Callaway with everything that happened with him. Yeah. Um, but with guys like that, right. And I think Cohen saw that he, he let Rojas stay another year and it obviously didn't work out. So I think with him, we saw, like you said, with the Apple hiring someone who had a decent tenure with the team, you know, the angels were weren't successful, but if you look at what he brought in talent wise, it's undeniable um, for the angels. They, he got Otani. He did all these other, you know, these things for that team. Yeah. Although, you know, the record doesn't show. So I think getting a guy like him, he had the experience, right? So I think it's just you seeing that and the job he's done so far, I think you have to bring a manager with experience for this team. This is like a vet heavy team. This isn't a young team really anymore. Um, all these guys have years of experience. So I think you have to bring in that veteran to balance that because I think you bring in a new guy and these guys have been in the league for a while. And sometimes it, it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. And you just yeah. can't really take the dice, especially with this roster. Now you can't really just take roll the dice, you know, with Ross last year, it's like, okay, this team's kind of young when doors here now, Let's see what he has and see what he brings. And it just didn't work out, right? So I think you just have to bring in that veteran. You know, we hear Show Walter a lot. We hear Osmus a lot. Those are guys who've done it before. And, you know, obviously says says Osmus not as much, but he could be a guy he's had those few years experience to learn things, right? And you hopefully learn that every step of the way. And now he comes to the Mets and he's, you know, a, a polished manager. So we'll see. I, I just think from the, the names that we are hearing, it's definitely people with – MLB experience. And I think that's someone that Steve wants to bring in going forward, especially with this roster, because you bring in a guy with experience, you know, so to deal with veterans, you know, so to deal with star players and it just will work out. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see who they name. But I think going around this time, I think they're going to shy away from a younger manager or newer manager. I think they're going to pick someone with at least some years of MLB experience. Yeah. Maybe this is his time to shine. It seems Steve Cohen is, very receptive, at least now, to making the fans happy. And, and at least from what I've seen on Mets Twitter and here in the radio stations here, that Buck Walter is the popular choice. And maybe he can finally – he's been at it for a long time. You know, he arguably 
made the Yankees dynasty only for not only for Joe Torrey to take in and actually win the world series. Same thing with Arizona in the late nineties, early two thousands. And then he gets replaced there and the car diamondbacks win. He made the Orioles a very competitive team, but they're just cursed. And uh, maybe I'm fourth times a charm for him. He can get a franchise on his feet and let's see if we're right later on. And speaking of one of his old teams, New York Yankees, Alex. And as I said to you, when you need to make moves, make moves and also make the right ones. Yankees in the, uh, right before the deadline, you get Joey Gallo was hyped. We talked about it here on this show. He literally shit the bed. Awful plays in the outfield. He didn't hit. He, uh, Looked really, really bad, but he's coming back next year. Anthony Rizzo started off hot, got hurt, slowed down, did hit a home run in the wild card game. Um, but so the jury's still out on him. But at least Cashman back then made the moves. And now, right before the deadline in this little grace period where all these teams made moves, Brian Cashman, all we hear about is him checking in on players. And we did not enhance the roster. Even after the state of the Yankees at the end of the season, him and Boone said, yeah, we need to change. He didn't, he, him and the uh, Yankees didn't blame Boone. They pretty much said it's on the players. Yet at the moment, you're bringing back the same players. You tendered Gary Sanchez, which, you know, wants to have people stab their eyes out with knives if they have to see him again on the field. Sadly, I'm, I'm, Done with Gary. I think they should have tried something different. Um, we're still waiting on our shortstop we need. Corey Seager gets signed by Texas. We have Correa available, and we have Trevor Story, Andrew Jude Simmons. Freddie Galvis was a possibility, but he's going to Japan. And, yeah, though center field, it seems we're going to keep Aaron Hicks, but Yankees are, you know, not confident he can stay on the field, yet he is killing it out in the Dominican Republic in a winter league. But like I said, Alex, on his last year of his contract, Brian Cashman hasn't made moves. So do you think this is him, you know, just failing to make a deal? Could this be a budget constraint? Because people are saying that Hal doesn't really want to go over the luxury tax because, you know, we're already paying two, $300 million players in Cole and Stanton. And you have Aaron Judge, you still need to resign. And yeah, so Yankees lack of moves. And I just want this lockout end so they can change this team after the literally the most embarrassing loss since that 04 sweep, because having our ace that we paid all this money for only to be a literal scapegoat instead of the goat. What are going on with the Yankees, Alex? <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I, I don't really know. I mean, I was kind of surprised they haven't made anything any, any, even small moves. Yeah. Um, I do understand. Guy, Jose Perez. Yeah. And oh, great. Yeah. Great, great, great depth guy. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's, it's weird because it's the Yankees that they were, the lack of moves is surprising because mm-hmm. we're always used to that making the big moves. Right. So, you know, it also could be because of the lockout as well. 
not knowing when the league's going to start, if, if at all, you know, we hope that doesn't happen. It could be also that reason behind it, but there's some other, you know, like you said, there could be cap reasons. There's things that we might not know, but it's just the team definitely needed things. <laughs> they definitely need a lot, a, a good amount, I should say. Um, you know, you, you tried to go for the homer or bus lineup last year. Again, that didn't work out. You guys yeah. definitely needed pitching down the stretch. Um, your bullpen's great. Your bullpen's really solid. Maybe add an arm or two, but it's the, the little thing. We haven't even heard, you know, you get a depth piece and stuff like that, but even if it's just an arm or something like that, or, you know, like a veteran, we just have another or, or extending Rizzo or whoever the case might be. We just didn't hear anything. Like you said, Captain, oh, we're checking in on guys. Well, who are you checking in on that we think can legitimately go to you guys? Is it a Correa? Is it a story? Is Rizzo coming back? Um, what are you guys planning on doing with Hicks? You know, right now he's, you know, is he staying? Is he going to be your center fielder? Are you mm-hmm. going to trust that? Or are you going to make a move to get another guy to play center field? So it was just weird because we're always so used to the Yankees doing certain things, right? Oh, making the big move, making the big splash or signing a few, you know, really good pieces. And they haven't done that at all. And it's just kind of surprising, like you said, and there's, there's, you know, it could be any reason, but we just don't know, you know, it could be, like you said, cap stuff could be just weary. You have to sign judge to a big time deal. Is he going to get $300 million? And that's going to be three players on 300 plus million dollar contracts. What are you going to do around that? Is that, you know, what are you guys going to do? You're going to bring up your young guys from the farm or you got to, you know, do all these different things. So that's why it's all surprising to me that they haven't really done anything to give you guys a sense of direction. You know, this is all these small little things. Sanchez coming back. Well, maybe that was just a move. He's not on a huge deal. Maybe that's a move. He gets hot in the first half. All right, we're shipping him off. We're getting, we're done with this. We're yeah. done with the Sanchez experiment. That's a good pop. Yeah, we're, 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 yeah, we're shipping him off. Line. Yeah, shipping him off. We'll go, we'll sign, like another thing, sign like a, a good defensive catcher or whoever. You know, and all that stuff, bring that in, right? You push Sanchez. Sanchez is a great first half. His interest is high. People are interested to ship him off for a piece, right? And then that's that's what you guys do. You're done with Sanchez. You guys got some, you know, stuff for your farm system or player or whatever. That could be a thing. That's why you guys might have tended him. We don't know. But, yeah, it's to me, it's just weird. that It's just a lack of moves. Like I said, it's just like we always hear their name, right? It's, 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 it's like certain teams – you always hear that there it's Yankees or it's going to be the Red Sox or it's going to be the Dodgers or to big market team. You know, they're going to get the guys. And we just haven't heard Yankees involved with anyone, anyone of the big names, right? We haven't heard, oh, the Yankees were into Scherzer. I think they said they were, they were interested in Verlander um, or they offered him something, but then whatever he signed with, yeah, whatever the case might be. Um, but yeah, just any of really the big names where we thought for years that the Yankees would involve Noah Syndergaard, for example, he was always a talk. Oh, Mets should trade Noah to the Yankees for X, Y, Z, right? Mm-hmm. We haven't heard nothing about that. So yeah, I, for Yankee fans, I know how you guys feel because this is just like the Mets all over again <laughs> for us every off season for a while when we had the, what well, was like, we need this guy. Now we're, we're going to sign some guy way down on the list that we're going to pay. <laughs> you know, whatever. Right. So, you know, and then all that time it's Yankees, 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 Yankees do this. Right. So now it's just weird that it's like reverse this off season, that it's Mets making the moves. Yankees are just crickets. You're just not hearing anything coming out of them. So 
But like I said, it could be a lockout thing with Cashman as well. He might be a little wary because he doesn't know what's going to happen with this year. And then maybe when the lockout ends, then that's when you guys start firing off moves. But we'll just have to wait and see at this point. But for right now, as a baseball fan, it's very shocking that we haven't heard the Yankees involved in any of these big free agents names this offseason. They they're really turning off Yankee fans. I've met two people who decided to give up their fandom this year, not be Yankee fans anymore. Though there are times I wish I could do that. I can never turn my back on any of my teams, but like Cashman is done after this year and people will want his head. And I guess there's nothing else we could really speculate now at this point, you literally can't make these moves. But again, if Cashman Cashman's always great at making a move to excite us in the middle of the season, only to be in the same spot. But Hey, now we can't even say we're buying championships. No one can say that about us, but say, Hey, if the Mets do win, do you mind? Will you get mad if people say that about you guys after the Steve Cohen drop off? Or you're just like, I don't care. We won. That's what I always say. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't care. We won. Um, (laughs) I know I used to be the, the, the dumb fan that sometimes would say that, Oh, you guys bought yourself champ when I was like a kid growing up. Cause that's what I was told by right? the Yankees bought their championships. And it, it, that argument is so like outdated now. Just in general, <laughs> right? Cause right. it's like, you, it's like, you look, Whole you decade look at, went by. Yeah. But it's, it's that too, but it's like, it, it's like, it's like the same thing. We, when me and you debate steroids, right. And me yeah. and you pretty much the same argument, right. On that. It's, and I'll use the analogy, like I always say, you can take steroids, but that doesn't mean you're going to be a 300 hitter hitting 65 home runs a season, right? You're not going to be the Bonds. No. Bonds, like Bonds, even without steroids, is a Hall of Famer. He's still unbelievable. The steroids help with recovering his strength and he can do certain things, but that's not like Barry Bonds is batting 200. And next, you know, he started doing roids and he's smacking 75 home runs a year, right? So it's the same thing with, with signing in a way where like, you bought championships. You can sign players to huge deals. You can look at it throughout all of baseball. I can give you a prime example. The Mets spent money on Jason Bay. Mm-hmm. Did we win a World Series after signing Jason Bay? No, it was an epic disaster, right? So it's the same thing. You guys got to share. You guys got all these guys. Big free agency thing. It also had to work. They also had to perform to get a World Series. It, it, it's, you, know, you got A-Rod, all this stuff. You could have signed these guys, and you still could have been, you could have been the worst team in baseball. It's it just you don't know what's going to happen. You give these guys big deals, and yeah, you're expecting them to perform with Mark Deshera, what he was doing before. Yeah, you expected to do all this stuff. You could have signed him to that big deal, and he could have batted 100 and sucked. So the whole argument of buying championships, it, 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 it doesn't work anymore for me. It, it just because just looking at the sport of baseball, you can sign all these players, but it doesn't guarantee a championship at all. This year alone, recent example, the Dodgers. They got Scherzer. They got Trey Turner, a big trade. Didn't win the World Series, right? So, nope. you know, it, it, that whole argument now looking back at it when I was like, yeah, I used to say that. And I'm like, that was really dumb of me. Yeah. <laughs> you're looking at the sport now and it's like, anything can happen. It doesn't. Yeah, look at the Padres the players, too, another yeah. one. Yeah, look at all the, well, yeah, exactly the Padres. It's the same thing. You can sign all these guys. You can trade for all these guys. You can make these super teams. That doesn't guarantee you a World Series at all anymore. Even back then, till so it's just a stupid argument. And that's that. If people say that to me, I'm gonna say that right back to them. We still won, but just so you know, and I'll give them examples of contracts didn't generate World Series, right? Yeah. So 
I'll rest my case on that. But I'll, I'm just going to retract my statement back then as a stupid kid. I apologize for saying that the Yankees bought uh, championships because that was just a dumb argument on my part because anything can happen in baseball, like I say all the time, and anything can happen with any signing across all sports. So, yeah. Well, we still love you no matter what, Alex. And I don't. I, I will buy a championship at this point for the crap I've been watching. And my last point with the Yankees, here's all I want. I want to re-sign Rizzo. I want Trevor's story, not Correa. I think Correa is arrogant. I think he um, is bad vibes. And I've heard reports from Ken Rosenthal saying that just some of the 17 Yankees don't want him on the team. Why would you want this guy to hop in the clubhouse who openly um, gets caught cheating, blatantly cheating, and what? You let bygones be bygones? There's and he better options. Jeter. Yeah, exactly. But he, for some reason, he thinks he wasn't a gold glove caliber player, but you know, look at him diving. Is he diving in the stands for a ball that he doesn't have to like Jeter did? Is is he doing the flip? Nope. Is he doing the crazy plays? No. I hate that guy. I really do. So I better not see him in pinstripes. And I've argued with people who want him. I was like, you're really going to just, you know, let any pride or values go and people are fine with it. And that's why this world sucks. But what are you going to do? Just you can't do it. And, you know, with the Hicks final take him in center. I mean, we have seen if he's on his game, he's fine. I mean, is he an all star right in that range? But I'll take it. And uh, don't forget, we have the Martian Jason Dominguez, even though they still don't think he'll be back till he'll be up until 2024. You need someone to hold it down until then. But let's go Yankees. I'm fine also with Boone coming back. I really don't think he was that much of an issue. Sure, there was questionable bullpen decisions. But again, if it worked, you wouldn't be mad. And, uh, you know, he's here. And like I said, people are going to start bouncing one way or the other. And just let's go Yankees for revitalize. And the last point, too. And another reason why Judge needs to get resigned ASAP. And what Steve Cohen proved to the whole baseball world, and I've made fun of the Mets to you and how no one wants to come. And then I guess the Steven Massiel specifically, he tweets out, you know, this agent, I so unprofessional and he throws everything. And with Max Scherzer, who blatantly wanted to be on the West coast, but you know, he got light, an absurd amount of money shows everyone has a price. And you don't have a right fielder um, really at the moment with Conforto's up in the air, at least for next year. If Judge is a free agent and he wants to like start a war between Yankees and Met fans and sign Judge to that deal, I think that's a real thing to consider now for the Yankees to lock up Judge because Steve Cohen really seems like he'd be a troll to take Judge like that. What do you think? Do you think that's also something I should – uh, all of us should worry about as Yankee fans and might excite you as a Met fan. I mean, I would take judge in a heartbeat, uh, but I do, I think he'd do, do I think he would do it? Possibly. Yeah. Seeing what he does is as Cohen right now, seeing his Twitter and all stuff. He does seem like he control, but the problem mm-hmm. also is you see this in other sports um, is that owners with money or teams with money can drive up the market. Right. So they, with Cohen's money, he can be like, I'm going to give Judge a 10-year stupid contract offer, and he's going to have to go back to the Yankees and be like, hey, you know, the Mets offered me this. So you either have to match that or exceed that. Otherwise, I'm going here, right? And that's now why these the Mets 
like we said, we you charge an example. Kind of wanted to be on the West Coast. Probably would have been back with the Dodgers. Money talks, right? Dodgers could offer yeah. sure something, and well, I got a fifty, you know, forty something million a year plus mm-hmm. signing bonus, maybe fifty something million this year. Hell yeah, I'm going over there. So yeah, it's, right. It's Everyone has thing. a price. Yeah, they really do. So, so it could it, can I see Cohen doing it? Absolutely, I can see him trolling the Mets and or trolling the Yankees. Sorry, and be like, Judge, hey, I'm going to offer you this. You can go back to the Yankees, or you can come here. And then the Yankees are going to be sitting there like, well, crap. Because what are we going to do? We're going to let be the guy who's, yeah. Is, 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 are we going to let the guy who we're deeming as our, our, our franchise guy now? Or are we going to let mm-hmm. him go to the team across the way because we didn't want to match that contract? So that's the thing that it makes baseball interesting, knowing with Cohen as the richest person, te- players are going to go there. Players are going to at least engage with the Mets to see what the Mets are going to give. <laughs> So that they can go back to their respective teams and say, well, this, the Mets are going to offer me this and you can either match it or I'm gone. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's, the, it's the same thing. People say that with the Yankees too, right? If the Yankees are interested, they lock in and the players will be Yankees are offering me this. You can match it or I'm gone. And that's what he's be. So now with the Mets, I think that could be a thing that goes forward. Do I think they're going to want, they're going to sign that to a huge deal? No, because we're, you know, big money to Lindor, big money to Scherzer and all these other players we have to get to Grom back to. But could I definitely see some kind of troll thing where he can be like, well, this is on the table for you, Aaron, and then go from there? Then, yeah, for sure. But I just, I don't think they'll do it, but I, I I would find it hilarious. And I think as Cohen, as an owner, as we see him on Twitter, he can be a troll at times. And like you said, he did his revenge tour thing that people were saying. He got pissed off at that agent. And then he's like, well, I'm screw you, Matt. So I'm getting Scherzer. I'm getting, <laughs> you don't want to come here. Well, screw you. I'm getting all these other guys. You right. could have been here, but you're now, you know, in St. Louis. So screw you. Um, <laughs> so we'll see what happens, but no, I think it, they definitely need to lock them up for sure because it might not be the Mets, but there's definitely going to be other teams willing to pay him the money. It could be the Rob, the Robbie Cano thing. And I know yeah, that kind he of is still there on your favor, but yeah, it could be the Robert Cano thing where Seattle offered him a crap ton of money and he went there instead of sticking with the Yankees. So the same thing can happen. So I think you really need to lock him on it because depending on what happens at his deal, the cap stuff can change, all that stuff can happen. And then next thing you know, he hits the market and a bunch of teams are going to offer him a ton of money. So I think you have to lock him up sooner rather than later because a lot there could be a lot of enticing offers for him in the off season. Right. And it's it, money talks. I think this was the ultimate lesson from business, sports, everything that money talks. Everyone has a price. Now everything's up for grabs. And yeah, we could keep debating all day about baseball's lockout, but you know, we literally said everything we had to, and it's a waiting game and we'll see who gets rewarded at the end of it. Now it's switching gears to basketball, the NBA. Let's talk about the Knicks, the Knicks. Hmm. Started off hot, got cold, a little hot again, but now cold again. Tough loss to the Bulls this last week. Tough loss to the Nets. Uh, we have Kemba Walker benched and out of the rotation. He's literally just sitting there. And again, it's not Christmas yet, so I'm not in that big of a panic mode. But after so much momentum from the Knicks last season, we feel like we're at a real crossroads. Do you think the Knicks can bounce back for what's going on and what do they need to do to get back in a groove? Yeah, I think they can definitely bounce back. Um, 
like you said, these last two losses, the Nets and the Bulls were tough. Um, the Bulls, I was happy, or yeah, even with both the Nets and the Bulls. Bulls game was happy they fought back. They had an awful first quarter in that game. They fought back. They made it close at the end, and then they came up short. Nets, same thing. Out of the second, out of halftime, that game looked like it was going to get real ugly real quick um, with the Nets going on a crazy run, and then they climbed all the way back, and then they lost by two. They probably should have won. Um, late foul, just a bad, you know, young mistake by Mitch Robinson. Instead of going up tall, he went for the ball. He should have just forced the, you know, a shot. If he made it great, if he didn't, he didn't. Um, but, um, yeah, I think there's time. And like you said, it's not Christmas yet. So I'm not really going to panic because that's kind of where we kind of see what mm-hmm. teams are, um, at the rate of the season and a little bit past Christmas. Um, it's just, there's certain things that you see this team and it's, it's mainly on the defensive end. Like last year, they were so great defensively and this year they really aren't. And it's not like, and it, I understand some of the signings aren't the best defender. Kemba's out of the rotation. He wasn't really mm-hmm. playing great defense. Fournier kind of has his laxity, but he could be a decent defender, but it's just like, we're letting these runs happen. And then we just get really stagnant on offense. Like we don't really know what our offense identity is this season. It's yes. like last year, we had Randall and we got the ball. Like I said, when we debated him and you didn't want Randall here, I think like late last, you know, he wasn't doing great. And then I said, he's not, a, he's not an individual guy. He's not a one-on-one guy. We'll see what tips does with him. And then he excelled, right? Because we're yep. getting him the ball in this space. It's true. Now we're like reverting back to him, bringing the ball up the floor, being the ISO guy. And we need to get back to let's get Randall the ball in his spaces let him do his thing, but it's not like not let him bring ball, right? We have these great ball handers. Burks has been fantastic. I think yeah, that was right? a really good decision by Tibbs to make him the point guard quickly. Like I said, if he's hot, he is electric on, on the court. Um, but we just have to figure out our offensive identity. Like the defense, yeah, it's been lacking. Like we got trounced by the Bulls. They're a really good team offensively, as we know, with all that talent. But it's just like, Mainly for me watching it, it's kind of also on the offensive end. It's like we're kind of reverting back to like what was not successful with Randall and the team. And we need to get back to attacking the basket, trying to draw fouls. No, there's new rules, but trying to shoot a little bit, you know, shoot three space the floor out and then just get Randall the ball into space. Stop with dribbling the ball with Burks, hand off to Randall. Randall doing a crossover, trying to do a step back three. Let Randall or let Burks bring the ball up, assess what's going on, pick and roll with Randall, whatever, get Randall his ball in the mid range or whatever, hit, have him hit the occasional three. We just need to really kind of figure out offense identity here. And I know we're, you know, not at the crisis point yet, but it just seems like there's nights where we're just like really, really great offensively and then we're great defensively and we've never like both it's not like oh we got like an offensive <laughs> win we or we got an offensive win it's like we need to find the balance that we were that made us successful last year right like we were very good defensively and then we you know we're very polished offensively and that's kind of how we were getting these wins now we're playing these really good teams and then we're like on our heels like the nets we were like battling on the whole first half with them. And then we come out in the third quarter and they just go on the run and we're like, Oh crap. Now we're on our heels. Now we have to try to come back against a really good team and then do it. And then, and then we lose by two and we probably could have escaped with a, a sneaky win on that one. The Bulls saying that we came out way flat and we can't yeah. do that with these top teams. Like, like the Bulls, like the Nets, 
um, these top teams in the East. We just can't come out with Bucks stuff like that. Like the Bucks, we had to come back from like twenty points down in both games so far this year. Like yeah, and only got the win one of them. Yeah, we got the win one of them. Right. So it's like D Rose for that. Yeah, and it's like we need to figure out a way to find out what the identity of this team is. Are we going to be a full offensive powerhouse? And yeah, let's gear towards that because we might not have the defense, but let's do a bend and don't break kind of deal, right? Like be in your positions, try not to hack, do all your certain things, but we have really good offensive players, right? We've seen Fournier drop buckets. We've seen quickly. We've seen, you know, D Rose. We've seen all these guys. Burks has been electric lately. We know what Randall could do, stuff like that. So it's like, we have to figure out what this true identity of the team is because like last year, yeah, we had scrappy players and we're strong defensively. Then this year we kind of added more offensive firepower, but then now we're lacking on the defensive end. But then we, some nights are really good. Like I said, defensively, and then we're nothing the next night. And this is really, really odd. So mainly I'm not like concerned yet because it is a bunch of new players kind of gel together and blend, but we need to figure out what the identity of this team is. Do we want to be full defensive and gritty and tough like we have been with Tibbs so far? Or are we now kind of trying to gear up the offense and try to outscore teams and see how that goes? So right now I'm not hitting the panic button, but, you know, we have to really see what goes, what happens going forward. And like you said, there's a few weeks till Christmas. We'll see the next few matchups, how this team looks. But I think these last two games kind of – were definitely a test and definitely saw what the team could be capable of if we were at full, you know, if we knew what we were at full capacity, I should say, because right. we, like we said, we battle tough, battling tough against the Nets is not an easy task. And we were there with them the whole way. So that was a really good sign for us. We stayed tough with them, but then the bulls, we had to just climb a mountain that was just too hard to really come out of. But yeah, like I said, I'm not panicking yet. We still got a few weeks. We'll see what they do in these next few weeks. Then maybe down the line, we're like, well, we figure out what this team was. And, you know, this just master players didn't work out well. So we'll see. I still have some faith because there has definitely encouraging signs so far this season with this team. So it's not like it's a complete disaster so far. It's just kind of a little, little nerve wracking at the moment with this team. And we really just need these players to develop even a little faster. I think that's the key. One thing, R.J. Barrett, he's been hurt. We need to get him back in the rotation ASAP because he can be that one-two punch with Julius Randle. Emmanuel, quickly, like you said before, when he's hot, he can't miss. He literally can't. And uh, this guy, he looks like he has, just has to put on some more weight to get stronger than he honestly, I th- always thought even last year, he could have been a good w- person at the one. But for now, it's just Burks. And Burks has been great, and he was re-signed in this offseason, so shouts to Perry for that. And I think that's going to be the big um, also secret greedy. Obi Toppin, too. We're really liking. He's looking like a really good draft pick. And once these players develop some more, then you can be a little more confident. And and the big other question is, what are we going to do with Kemba? You re-signed him. He looks like he can't play. I mean, when we saw like in the Hawks game, how Trey Young was just messing with him and he can't defend whatsoever in general. Like, what are you going to do? Can you get a team to take him? I know people thought, you know, Rockets and John Wall, but do they want to, you know, cross that road with his injuries and that big cap hit? Ben Simmons is technically available, but not even given that thought. Um, Like, I don't know where you could really move him 
uh, but who really needs a point guard like that with the magic? And but no, Cole, Cole Anthony is yeah, yeah, rookie of the yeah, year. He's still I, waiting I, for Fultz to get back too. People forget yeah. about that as well. Like yeah. there's literally nowhere to put him. So what are we going to do with Kemba? It's tough. I mean, he's not on a huge deal, which is okay. I think it's only around 8 million. So it's not exactly 8 million. is nothing to sneeze at, obviously. <laughs> but in <laughs> terms NBA of NBA talks, yeah, but yeah. In, in terms of NBA talks, it's not that huge of a deal. So a team could be willing to take a flyer on him. But right now, I think we have to just do something to try to gear his confidence up. He just had, he just lack of confidence wasn't there. There's some nights he was really good. And then lately he's just been awful. Well, he really has it's cut it short. You get cut out of rotation, especially with Tibbs. It means you're not doing great on the floor, right? Cause Tibbs will run people into the ground and all that stuff. And he's seeing stuff on the court that maybe we're not either, but I mean, mm-hmm. what we're seeing as fans is just not great. Like you said, lack of defense. He's not, you know, people are just really messing with him. They're targeting him. Um, they're going after him. So that's never a good sign as a player that someone's going to use you to their advantage. Oh, Ken was on the court. Get the ball to, you know, like you said, a Hawks game. Get the ball to Trey. Let him let him dance. Let him just get to work. Right. <laughs> so I don't know. I think there's just something they have to do to try to rebuild his confidence. I'm not saying send him down to the G League or anything like that. You know, that's a little excess for a player like him. And even then, he would probably drop like 60. Um, not not discrediting G League, it's a very awesome, fun play league. I've worked in it, as you know, um, and it's great. Yeah. Um, but it's just, there's just something we have to do. I, I It's tough because it's like, how are you going to build his confidence back up if he's not on the court? You know, you can you can get it in practice and try, okay, you know, right. we're to the ball, let's <laughs> try to get you to work. Let's see what you're doing defensively. Let's have you just get like beat up in practice. Right? Attack, 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 attack. But he's also a veteran too. So there's going to come a moment where it's like, what, why the hell am I doing this? But you cut out the rotation for a reason, so you have to try to prove yourself to get back on the court. So, you know, we see him on the bench. He seems like a good leader. He was getting really hyped up, especially with the Nets game. You're seeing him getting everyone fired up and clapping and being the first guy off the bench and getting, you know, everyone, you know, together and everything. And that's really good to see from him. But it's just like, I don't know. It's like, you know, he was supposed to be like, oh, that's, a, you know, such a great signing for the Knicks be our budget guy, just like, you know, prove it. We'll see if he still has something in the tank. And right now he just doesn't. And it's like, what team is really going to be like, well, yeah, I'm going to, I want him and I'm going to give up picks or an asset for him. Right. And so I don't know. We'll see what happens. It's still kind of, like we said, you know, it's still a little early in the season. So maybe this is just something that Tibbs has to try and inspire him to, to, to work hard and, and get back into it. And, and, and start figuring some things out. And then eventually maybe Tip says, all right, let's start coming back up with 10 minutes on the court and then 12 and then 15 and then see what he does. And who knows? Maybe he becomes like a D-Rose where he also comes off the bench or something yeah, like right. that and, and and becomes this impact player, you know, like D-Rose is. We don't, we don't expect D-Rose to score 30 a night off the bench for us, but he comes in, he's an impact player, he plays tough, he plays strong. And – you know, he got it extended for a reason, right? We gave him that deal for a reason because he showed how great he is off the bench for us. And that's what his role is. So we'll see with Kemba what they do. I think right now it's just tough to put him on the court, especially with the way Burks is playing, especially with quickly playing in Rose, solidifying himself as a true backup point guard off the bench. So we'll see what happens, but like it's just tough right now because I really don't see a market for him or a team saying, yeah, let's take a shot on him and give up an asset for him because he, if you get cut out of rotation on the Knicks, 
you know, and I know we're a decent team now. It's just not a really good sign. And definitely teams are going to be not willing to really give up any kind of crazy asset for him. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Totally right. And the way I'm just looking at the schedule right now for what we have left, where you have some, uh, we have our work cut out for us. You're in the rest of the month of December, you're playing the Nuggets, you're playing, you're playing the Bucks, the Warriors who can't lose, uh, the Wiz, the revitalized Wizards, the Hawks on Christmas. I mean, you're playing some tough teams. You need to get these wins. You need to go a little over 500 to stay afloat for that Christmas, for that Christmas deadline or Christmas. Um, I should say, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, you know, matchup. Exactly. So, um, this is it for this team. What's the one great thing you could say about Thibs? He is a great coach. I mean, but it's pretty ballsy to get that big, you get that uh, signing and you bench him right before, you know, right in no, at the end of November. So this is it. I feel okay. But as long as we can come 500 in the rest of the month of December or a little above it, like eight and six yeah. or something like that, it will be okay. So just quickly around the league with, the NBA, just some general points before we uh, ended off with football. How are you feeling of what's going on? I mean, so many headlines. The Bulls, I mean, they look awesome. They are good everywhere with their young coach. Caruso off the bench, DeRozan looking like a comeback player of the year. Uh, Lonzo holding his own, like, wow. You have the Wizards. Now, some people thought they were a fluky team, um, team, but, you know, they're still holding their own after, it seems, everyone off that um, Russ deal, especially Kuzma and Harold, big killing it. Obviously, Bradley Beal's leading the team for what he's doing. Uh, the Suns have won 18 in a row. They literally went undefeated in the month of November and still winning and though the uh, Warriors just lost their last game, they're still they were um, ki- winning. What was their streak up to seventeen? They were like, yeah, whatever the record was before they they ran into the Suns, and then the Suns extended the record. They were exactly uh, yeah. the matchup on matchup was with the Jazz doing well. You have the Nuggets sadly losing Portman Jr. for the year, but they still have a good core there. You can wait for Jamal Murray to come back and. Who knows? But some people think they should just tank. That's dumb that you're wasting players' time with that. What is, like, the most exciting story right now in the NBA to you? Definitely looking at the Suns um, and and them setting their franchise record with, you know, 18 wins in a row and going undefeated in November, right? Yeah. A lot of people thought their run to the finals was a little fluky, um, but they're clearly showing that they could run it back and they could make it to the finals. And especially now, I know a lot of people – and I saw some headlines where it's like, should the Warriors be afraid of the Suns? It's like, yeah, the one regular season loss, I'm not going to be afraid of, of the Suns. But no. if I'm the Warriors, because that team is also looking fantastic. And I think that's going to be – I really am hoping for Suns-Warriors Western Conference Finals because I think that would be so fun to watch those two teams going Definitely. at it. Steph versus Paul. You know, uh, Clay will be back at that time. Clay versus Right, that's Booker. the big thing. We're waiting for the yeah. return of Clay Thompson after um, two years. Yeah, so, like, we're waiting for that. And the Warriors right now are 18-3 and three without Clay. <laughs> and they have Jordan right. Poole, who's looking like a six-man of the year over there. So Wiggins is killing it. Wiggins is killing it. So, and it's just fun. The Western Conference is firing out, especially the top two teams. And like I said, I think the storyline with the Suns, 
them on their win streak. They just set the franchise record. They're looking like they're going to run it back. This team looks really, really good. And I know, you know, winning 18 row ups shows that, but it's just, it's like they're not slowing down. It's just, the team is is very similar to last year where they play great on both sides of the ball. They they just hustle all the time. Monty Williams is a fantastic head coach there. So I think right. they are really looking like a team to contend. And I think a lot of people weren't seeing that this year. I think a lot of people were seeing them being maybe, you know, four seed or something like that in the West not be as hot as they were last season and then getting to the finals and, you know, they don't lose the bucks, but they're proving right now that they're definitely in contention for the finals. This team is, you know, very, 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 very solid, very deep. Monty has them coaching extremely well right now. And I just wonder how long this win streak can go. Uh, Cause it's looking like they're not slowing down right now. They beat the warriors in a very, very good matchup and they kind of, you know, shut down Steph Curry in that game too. So, yeah, right. You know, and he's on a tour pace. He's looking like he's back in MVP shape. So, definitely. you know, it's definitely an exciting team to look at. And then if we go to the East, like you said, the Bulls have been so fun to watch with their signings with Lonzo and Alex Caruso and DeMar DeRozan and then blending with, you know, already, you know, the Bulls trade for Vucevic last season and Zach Levine being the dunker that he is. And just yeah, such right. Such a great player. And this is an exciting player to watch every night. So they're looking like a really, really good team. Um, you know, we, we expected them to be good. Um, you know, so they're looking like a team to be, you know, a really good team to look out in, in, in the East right now. And then, you know, the Bucs had a slow start too. And now the Bucs getting healthy, they're climbing back up in the standings. So they're also looking like a contending team. I'm not going to, not going to knock the Bucs at all. You know, they won the finals last year and then they started off slow and a lot of people were like, oh, they're in trouble. But now they're back. They are 14 and nine. I think they, in the, yeah, their last 10 games, they went eight and two. So yeah. they're climbing up the standings. They're looking really, really good again. So they're a team to also watch out in the East, obviously being the defending champions. But um, yeah, it's just such an exciting time this year in basketball. And, you know, I feel like it's like the first time in years, especially now, not as back to back years that like, it's up in the air on who can win the finals this year. Um, you know, usually last uh, pretty much our you know, fandom of basketball, it was either, you know, Warriors, Heat, Cavs, um, Spurs, Spurs. Those were the teams to beat. Now this year it could be the Suns. It can be the Nets. It could be the Bucks. It could be uh, the Warriors. It could be the Jazz. It could be, you know, all these teams. Yeah. Lakers can slip, slip. People forget Lakers. If they're healthy, they can slip in. They yeah, they're finally the getting their team back. So, yeah, they're finally – so they can slip in. They can make a run. So it's just a very exciting time for NBA basketball um, because there's so many different storylines going on. But for me right now, I'm just, like, glued in and see how long this Suns record, this win streak can go for because they are just cruising through teams like there's no tomorrow, especially. <laughs> we thought it was going to end with the Warriors, the way the Warriors are playing, and they're like, nope, we got them, and they beat them. So – We'll see how long it goes on because it's it's impressive right now what they're doing over there. Swishes all over the place. And yeah, this has been really stellar before Christmas. Just imagine what's going to happen after Christmas. Now, the last thing we'll talk about with the NFL here, we're hitting the final month of the season now. While we talk about our Giants really quick. Now, this is recording after their after they played yesterday. Assuming they won, it is a winnable game. And um, the NFL, 
the thing is, by the time we're recording it, Daniel Jones is not going to be playing due to a stiff neck that he got hurt in the, I think they said in the first quarter of the Eagles game. Yeah. You toughed and, it out. Yeah. But, you know, now we have to be as cautious mm. as ever. Clearly, it seems like Dave Gettleman is out at the end of the season, no matter what. But, you know, there are some winnable games. You know, again, yesterday's Dolphins game, they could definitely win. Hopefully, they did win. Then you're going to play the Chargers. Yeah, that's still, that's going to be tough. But tough. They, they've Depending been if we have up. Daniel or not. Yeah. Then the Cowboys after that, even though they lost, uh, yes, last week on Thursday. Um, wait, did I get that right? Uh, Cowboys won. They won. Oh, they did uh, win. Sorry, they, they won. won. Against, yeah, on Thursday night. Yeah, against the Saints. Sorry, I was ta- I was thinking about the last Thursday game. Uh, in, yeah, uh, Thanksgiving, first, they lost the, to the Raiders. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But, yes, I just saw here they won 27-17. They're pretty in a good spot, especially their defense. Mm-hmm. And But, anyways, still focusing on the Giants. You have the Eagles, who so you beat. You ended out with Eagles, Bears, and Washington. You can, there's a solid chance you can go four or two for the rest of the season. And that would bring the final record to. So right now at this moment. They're four, at the, and, they're, four, they're four and seven at the four moment. Seven, yeah. So four or two that bring you at 89. Hmm. And well, where do you go from here? If you're John Mara, you're getting a new GM. You got to get somebody to save your ass. You're getting booed at the straight hand ceremony. Got booed at the Eli. People don't trust you right now. Joe Judge, <laughs> do you really want to fire him even with his weird sayings? If you do that before coaches in seven years, that's nuts. Not even the Jets do that. I mean, they do do that, but that's that's an unlike giant. That's unlike what the Giants are supposed to do. And then you have, um, you know, what do you do with the offense that you spend a lot of money on for nothing? You obviously need to fix this line. Are you going to stick with Daniel Jones? Are you going to stick with Saquon? You still have Galladay and Tony. The wideouts are pretty set. Um, what do you do with the Giants? Do you feel like if they end one game under 500, Mira's like, you know what? Daniel Jones can still stay. Or is it time to go? We've definitely in the heat of the moments on our Sunday text say he's got to go. But at this moment where we're a little level-headed, what should the Giants do moving forward? Uh, it's a lot. But first, I know you brought up Strahan and Mara. I was there. Yes. Yeah, it's a little blurry. Oh, there we go. There we go. There we go. I was at the uh, Strahan jersey retirement. Uh, they gave out towels and stuff. That was awesome. It's um, dumb they didn't televise it. Yeah, it was. And then I, I, I wasn't in there, but I also have, this is blurry. We'll see. I got my Eli yeah. bobblehead from his retirement. Um, my family was at that one. They got me a bobblehead. Uh, so that was <laughs> cool. Um, so um, this is a straight hand real quick. That it was awesome. It was dumb. They didn't televise it. Um, I know the Mara one at Eli was more present because he was there at the podium and he got booed. Um, Strahan said it in, in a comment and then the booze started to come down. We all started <laughs> kind of laughing, but he quickly was like, we'll be back. Right. He was like, thank you, Mara, you know, to his family for getting me into the Giants organization. I will always like being dead. And then booze started, you know, Mara, whatever. Boo, 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 <laughs> and then he was like, but we'll be back. I know we've been struggling, but we'll be back. And the fans went crazy. Right. We'll, we'll get, we'll get through this. So, yeah, I think hopefully that moment, and I know he got booed at Eli, and then he, you heard the booze at Strahan for a little bit, but then 
Strahan said, we'll be back. I hope he took that to heart. I hope, I hope Mara took that to heart because if there's guys that's going to get Mara from Booth to cheers to Strahan, right? And we heard that their relationship wasn't great to begin with, but he obviously thanked them. But, you know, it was hearing that as Giants fans were like, okay, if Strahan's saying that and and we, in fact, is going to be a rally cry, we'll be back. Like maybe Mara will say that should be a rally cry. We will be back. And it's like we hear that from time to time from him. Oh, we need to be better. We'll, we'll start winning it. But as in the case, I hope he, that was the moment where he sat there and said, you know what? We'll be back. And I got to be a better owner than I have been. I got to be stricter. I got I can't do these. You're, you're my family friend. I got to sign you like Garrett was or Gettleman. Oh, you're part of the Giants history. We'll bring you in. Whatever. Um. Gettleman, I think, is gone. I think he's going to – I think at this rate he is gone. I think it's going to be what we do with Coughlin. It's you can re, you just retire so we don't have to say we fired you, but if you don't, we'll fire you. Um, but I think it's that. Um, I think he'll just retire at the end of the year. And, yeah, I think we have to bring in new GM. I think it has to be someone that is a little bit younger with some experience but knows the modern NFL. You know, Gettleman kind of went back to – we need to go back to – the old days with the hog mollies and he didn't bring any hog mollies and we got to go <laughs> the dynamic running back and Saquon, if healthy is a dynamic running back, but we should, like I mentioned the other day, when we're talking, we usually have our Sunday conversations. We, I, I told you many times we should have traded down in that draft. Yeah. You still would have been available anywhere between five and seven. Probably if not, you got assets, you got someone that moved up to get someone, someone could move up, built whoever I was looking at it the other day. There's certain teams, you know, I moved up in that draft. Bills moved up to get Josh Allen. They could have moved up and gave it a lot of assets or whatever and moved up to two to get Josh Allen, right? Because that was going to be their guy. So we didn't do that. We took Saquon and, you know, the jury's telling him. Jones, like I said, there's talent there, but we definitely need to bring in some pieces. And I hope this draft does that with this GM and knows that we need to get a defensive lineman, like a true yeah. edge rusher, a true guy, an offensive lineman. That should be the two picks that we make with our first two first round picks. It should be an edge rusher and it should be an offensive lineman because that's what the team needs most right now. Because we look last year and we look at the draft and it's like, why don't we take a single guy in the offensive line? Not even, a, we didn't even spend a pick on offensive lineman. I didn't care if it was a fifth. We're all like, take someone here, take someone here. No. So, you know, it's tough as Giants fans because there's definitely promise on this team. And I think with Daniel, I think we're going to go another year with him. I don't think we're going to give him an uh, extension. because. But if you look at this draft class, there's only like one quarterback being talked exactly about in the that. top 10. It's a very weak draft class. The year after that, there's a lot. There's a good amount of quarterback talent, it looks like. So I don't want us to reach again. Like we just need to say, okay, we'll have Daniel. He's shown flashes of, of being good. Let's get him off an offensive lineman help. Let's help the defense out. Let's get a defensive lineman. I think Judge is going to stay at this rate, just from what I'm hearing. Reports are, you know, teams, giant fans forget we're still paying Pat Shermer. <laughs> I think, I, and, and we signed Judge to like a five year deal. I don't think Merrill wants to do that. I don't think he wants to yeah. fire him and then have to pay him. Um, and, you know, we have the Joe Judgesms and the certain things that we hear, but I think he's well-respected and well-liked um, with this team. Um, and I think there are some things that we look 
you, you we saw the failures of Garrett and that cost us games down the stretch. Yes. You know, um, our defenses look better these last few weeks, but there've been times where they look shaky. So I don't think it was entirely on judge. I think he had these faith in his coordinators and they let it slip, especially with Garrett. You know, I sent you that video the day he got fired where someone's like, watch this play. And if you look at the play, he had, Saquon and like two receivers run to the same spot of the field. They all like ran pretty much looked like they almost all bumped into each other. Like it could have been hilarious. Like it literally looked like they all were running and fly off each other. And yeah, it was slam around stuff. And like by the time it was like you see it, it's like you see that clip and you're like, well, that's why Dan. My buddy, like I saw my buddy clip and he's like, well, that's the reason why Dan is not succeeding. Because it's like, what is he going to do? He calls hike. He sees three guys running to the same spot. It's all covered. And now he, there's a guy in his face because his offensive line is not blocked for him. So he has to, like, dunk it or he has to try to force it somewhere. And that's where the mistakes happen. Um, so I think if we did something where we got off his line, I know we're, we are strapped salary-wise, so it's going to be tough to get, like, veteran offensive linemen on this team. But – you know, like we have to get like Nate Solder off this team. We need to do certain things because they're not blocked for. But I think there's definitely pieces on this team going forward. And I think we're going to keep getting another year because this draft class is so weak. And I think the GM hopefully is not like, I need to take a guy in my first draft because he's going to be my guy. I hope he's more like, okay, we got the pieces here. And I think we can do something. Let's just add to that. I think if we got someone who can protect Daniel and whoever, maybe we draft like, a bunch of offensive linemen because we have a lot of assets. Maybe we do that. Like this is a draft. We bunch a bunch of like decent offensive linemen and then we kind of revamp the line. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, you know, like you said, there looks like there's winnable games going forward. It's just on the sake of health of Daniel, like we won't have for the Dolphins and the Dolphins defense has been electric these yeah. last few weeks. So, like, with Mike Lennon, are we going to have success? Whatever. We'll see. <laughs> Mike Lennon. Um, Let's have a Mike we'll White see. moment. Yeah, we'll see really what happens with Mike Lennon. Um, we'll see what happens there. And then, you know, the reports are, it's like Daniel's not season. It's not a season-ending thing, but he could be out a few weeks. So, we'll see what happens uh, going forward. But, you know, what started as what we thought looking into this early year, a lot of promise um, definitely has fallen apart relatively quickly. And, you know, I think that's why, you know, moves are going to happen. I think Gettleman is definitely gone for sure. And I can definitely see us keeping, um, uh, keeping judge and keeping Graham uh, going forward. And At least he, he earned himself another year after these yeah. past few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think you look at it in these last few weeks and you kind of start realizing that it, 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 it's mainly, it was mainly the failures of, of Garrett, not, getting the offense producing because the team would always get in the red zone. I mean, my dad would call it, you know, we'll get into the red zone. We call it the black zone because mm-hmm. we weren't doing anything. We weren't scoring touchdowns or whatever. We're doing all these dumb plays and the good you know, zone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like sponsored. Um, and I think it's like the Mercedes Benz red zone or something like that. And I would say it should be called like the Mercedes Benz, no point zone because <laughs> don't do anything. So, um, we'll see, you know, go forward. We'll get another offensive coordinator. I know it's going to be tough for Daniel. That's like, I don't know. I'll be, I think it's fourth since he's been here. Yeah. Um, something like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see what this team down a stretch, how they look. We just have to see progression, right? We're, you know, that's what all these fans want to see. I know we want to see more wins because of this, we, we built a team like we we're going to win, but we just haven't. Um, so I think we need to see something. I think we need to see some sort of promise down the line here and be like, okay, we can definitely do something. If we have a competent 
GM and bring in the talent that this team needs. Don't reach for a wide receiver at five when we don't need a wide receiver. You know, like don't do certain things like that. Get the pieces that this team needs, which is just a dynamic edge rusher and a, and a, a, a very, very good offensive lineman. And I think it can help. Um, because we've seen what Thomas has done this year for us. He should be going to the Pro Bowl. If he does not go to the Pro Bowl, I will be very upset um, because he should be representing the Giants in the Pro Bowl this year. He's been fantastic. Um, so we'll see. We just have to, you know, get hopefully what we think is a confident GM this time going forward. Yes. Let us be rewarded for our patience. And each game is can be carefully analyzed, even if this team's not making the playoffs. And I know we have to do this all over again and again and again. Like I'm pushing on knowing you 10 years, Alex, which is crazy. Yeah. And yet the Giants have only made one playoff game. And every year it's gotten worse and worse. And the curse of the boat picture. Ever since then, we've been <sighs> made me roll my eyes with that one. Oh, so Come on, guys, just in this time of life, as we're trying to overcome all our obstacles with this Omicron variant now and everything, I hope that when we are talking in August, doing another NFL preview, that all these changes that we're talking about are actually going to happen. And then um, we have something to look forward to for once. A... A, at least a 500 above 500 first half of the season, a something you must watch football being comfortable, maybe earning some primetime games while you're at it. <laughs> Time's going to tell with that. Not, not, uh, not having our season end before Thanksgiving. I think that should be our benchmark going into next year. Make sure our season isn't over before Thanksgiving. A year from now, let's play some meaningful December yeah. games. Mm-hmm. And last thing, Alex, just what are the other things that really been popping your eye with the NFL? It seems that the Patriots are back with Mac Jones. The Chiefs have recovered from being embarrassed. Uh, you have Lamar Jackson and the Ravens coming back all the time from everything. Though they lost two games in a row, the Titans, I don't know, Derrick Henry, they clearly really miss him, but they are still a um, they are tied for the best record in the NFL in, in the AFC specifically. Then you have, well, I hate the Cowboys. I hate the Eagles in Washington, but Cowboys are pretty stellar. The Cardinals and Rams battling it out with the Packers and the Bucks as the best teams in the NFC. And then you have a lot of under 500 teams after that. The Lions can't win. The Seahawks are about to go into transition What's really catching your eye with the NFL that we haven't covered yet um, at this point? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's the same thing with the NBA for me. It, me and my buddies talk about this, is that there's not, to me, one true like contender for the Super Bowl this year. It seems like pretty yeah. wide open. It's not as anyone really has like emerged yet as like that's the team that's going. Right. Like we see it last year, like the box, we knew they're dominant all around Brady. Obviously it's like, that's the team, right? Like we knew we, you know, midway through the year, like this is the team to be in the NFC. This is the team to be maybe in all of the NFL. And then this year, it's like a bunch of really, really good teams, but we have, there's not one like standout, really, really good team. Like the Packers are really good. 
the Cardinals have looked great. It's just like, even without their stars, the Cardinals look really good. Right. So in mm-hmm. Baltimore coming back and, and winning these games and, 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 uh, you know, Dallas, you know, as much as we hate to say it, they're looking really good right now. So it's yeah. just like, it, it, but there just hasn't been one, like, this is a team to look out for. This is a team like everyone needs to watch out. The Chiefs are getting high. It's like, yeah, but you have Mahomes. It's like they're always, you know, in the contention. The Titans, although losing Derrick Henry, they've they've struggled a little bit. They still look really solid. So it's like very up in the air. And I feel like not a lot of people are talking about that. They're just trying to pick like these are the top teams and yeah, right. one of these are making it. And they're not talking about like anything can happen this year because there hasn't been one absolutely dominant across the board team. Like, yeah, we're not going to discount Brady. Like the Bucks obviously are good, but they had their little slump and then they bounced mm-hmm. back um, prime time against the Giants and they look decent. But it's like, like I said, like multiple times, there's just not that one team to me right now that I'm watching and I'm like, this is fun to watch and this is a team to beat in the NFL. Like this is a Super Bowl contending team. Um, so yeah, that's, the, that's to me the, the storyline that I'm, kind of following is that there's not one true, you know, ultimate NFL team right now that is, is just cruising through people and is just, you know, on the war path and to the to the the eventual Super Bowl appearance. Yeah. That's the best thing we can all get out of it. And similar as the NBA, it's anybody's game to win, anybody's Super Bowl to win. And remember we get an extra week. And now with that, it's, it's really going to come to our advantage and when we're freezing cold in the uh, January and February months. And it's just time to sit back and relax for once. Even if our Giants are going to be in the mix, we can pay attention to see what changes are about to come there. And yeah, that's that's just so much up in the air. Uh, what's Aaron Rodgers are going to do? I mean, the fact that he's on a nine and three team, one of the best NFC teams, and he's there's a good chance he's gone. Yeah. Russell Wilson also, you know, it looks like he's, you know, being humbled for real. I think that's really what's been the big surprise out of the coming out of this year, too. But again, the Seahawks aren't in that big, aren't in the hunt at all. But I think any of these teams can beat anyone. I think that's another thing to point out, at least the competitors. The Colts almost beat the Buccaneers yeah. as they've made a stellar come, in-season comeback. So, as you said, and just the best benefit of sports is that it is unpredictable, and we're going to enjoy every second. Alex Young, you've been killing it once again. Thank you so much for uh, blessing us with your presence. Is there anything else you want to say before we uh, sign off? No, uh, thank you again for having me, Matt. It's always a blast to talk with you. I know we're always planning on talking for like 30, 40 minutes. And then yeah, we right. Keep on going. We always have great, great, great conversations. Um, this was an no, hour and a half or so. Yeah, yeah. We were just, just fly, everything flies when you have conversations. It's awesome. That's how you uh, know. Yeah. Uh, just again, want to congratulate you on your move to New Jersey. And uh, just want to wish you and your family and everyone who listens to this podcast uh, happy holidays to celebrate uh, and just enjoy time with your family right now. I know with everything, it just looks, everything looks bleak, but uh, with this new variant, everything like mm-hmm. that, uh, just stay safe, everyone. And just enjoy time with your family this holiday season. That's all we can ask for, especially enjoying time with your friends as well. You know it. Always check in on your friends, family, especially Alex. I hope we could catch you one more time before the year ends as we a year reviewing something. I'm sure we'll be sure. able to pull that off with that or the panels, but 
You're all star for a reason, Alex. And thank you again for the time. Alex Young, everybody. You have a Thanks. great rest of your day, my friend. You too, my friend. Good talking to you as always. Later, guys. Peace out. Alex Young, bravo as always. I love that guy. And he's a perfect guy to have my first one-on-one interview with regarding the new studio in Jersey City. Now, technically, the first episode recorded in the Jersey City apartment was back in last week in the NFL show on Thursday, but, you know, I was still waiting for things to become official before we made that announcement, and they have been, and now we can just focus on the next chapter. As I'm here recording in my Connecticut studios, look at it, all the posters that I've created here, it's something else. I made this podcast, I started making it in September 2020, we went on air in October 20th 2020 that was the first time the show went to the masses our first three episodes and now 123 episodes later we are now moving to a new place and hopefully that just shows the signs that we continue to grow as a show continue to grow this community and the audience and we just continue to entertain inform and inspire you the greatest fans and listeners in the world so like i said i will be off for a few weeks as i assemble this studio, move into my new apartment, and do some ultimate adulting things. And yeah, that's it. Connecticut Studio, chapter one of this podcast comes to a close. We no doubt will record here again at some point. I just know it and have a feeling. But on to bigger things and to greener pastures. And I can't do it without you, my family my friends, and the greatest fans and listeners in the world. So let's enjoy it and take it in. Happy holidays to all of you who celebrate. And not a happy new year quite yet. We're going to review the year, of course, with you know who, or you could guess who. And who knows uh, where the future will be, where the future is going to be after that. But all I know is there'll be a big smile on my face as I go through the trials and tribulations. And now that this new chapter has begun, it is time to be humble with it. And let's let's make people proud from here on out. So with that, my name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. And I will see you all on December 30th, 2021. Happy holidays. And don't forget to check in on your friends and family. Peace. All she needed was some.